uh, I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open it uh, to the Old Testament book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, this morning in verses 22 through 24. Uh, this is not the start of a, a new series. This is a, a kind of a one-off sermon, if you will, for the start of the new year. Next Sunday morning, January 8th, I encourage you, uh, be here in worship. We will have uh, our, our now regular uh, prayer service to kick off the new year next Sunday, January 8th. And some of you may be thinking in your head, oh, it's just a prayer service. I won't go to church that week. Stephen's not preaching like he normally does, or we're not, not singing all the songs that we normally sing, so I'm just going to skip that. And if that's your thought in your head, I want you to just go ahead and say it out loud, hear how silly it is to say, I'm not going to go to a prayer service, and then come next Sunday morning and pray with us, okay? Okay, it does sound good. Sounds better than good. Sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, after that, and for a good chunk of the year this year, uh, we'll be spending time uh, on Sunday mornings in the Gospel of Mark. So if you want to start reading ahead uh, in the Gospel of Mark, you can start doing that. We'll, we'll make our way through probably the majority of this year uh, in Mark's Gospel. Um, having said that, and before we start this, uh, you may be wanting to begin today or, or tomorrow uh, a new Bible reading plan for the year. Some of you are committed to reading the Bible through in a year or reading the New Testament over the course of the year or just getting in the habit of regular Bible reading with the goal of reading it daily. And we have a couple of tools that are available to you, just simple Bible reading plans that you can pick up uh, starting tomorrow and carry on through the year and either read through all of the Bible or read through all of the New Testament over the course of this year. The uh, plan that goes through the whole Bible is a chronological uh, a Bible reading plan. So you'll start in Genesis and you'll kind of end in Revelation, but you'll have Old and New Testament readings every day and uh, reading from the Psalms or from Proverbs every day as well. Uh, that plan, uh, we emailed the, all of these out to uh, members and others, um, or at least links to them that you can download them. But if you want to take home a printed copy of that plan today, you can. Uh, the, uh, that one's on uh, the little black table uh, where normally coffee is right in the foyer. So you can grab one of those. The other plan is called the five by five by five plan. And it's uh, five minutes, five days a week. Um, and some other five, I can't remember what it is, but five, in five minutes uh, and, and five days a week, you can read through all of the New Testament over the course of the year. That's a plan that's been put together by Navigators Ministries, and they're uh, deeply involved in discipleship. So if maybe you have a goal of uh, reading through just the New Testament this year, uh, you can grab one of those. The chronological plan is kind of blue and black, the uh, printed out, you'll see it on the table. The five by five by five plan has a lot of green on it, and that's just to help me distinguish which is which when I print them and put them out. So uh, grab a Bible reading plan if you don't have one uh, and you need some help getting started. Those are available to you. Well, in the passage of one year and the transition to the next year, particularly in our culture, it seems that the overriding impulse at, on New Year's Day is to look ahead, to plan forward, to make resolutions that we're all going to give up by the end of the week anyway. But and forget what was behind. Just leave the old year behind us and move on to the new one. You may have had a year in 2022 that you would very much like to leave behind. And to be sure, there are plenty of things that we can look at behind us and be glad to move on from. And there are probably also events, though, of the last year, emotions, habits, that, that we want to hold on to and remember and even draw forward into the year ahead. Not everything behind is bad. There are some things we'd like to bring forward. But if you were to sum up the past year, 2022, in just a sentence, maybe just a few words, I wonder what that 
summary would be. Maybe something like 2022 was terrible. Illness hit home. My family came together. Maybe the theme of 2022 was addiction beat me. Maybe it's Jesus saved me. Maybe the theme of the past year was we got married or we buried mom or dad. Maybe it's as joyful as we welcomed our first child into the world. On this first day of 2023, I want personally for me, for Stephen, to reflect on the year behind and look forward to the year ahead with all the ups and downs and twists and turns and triumphs and hurts that come with every passing year. And I want to be able to reflect and look forward and say with the scriptures, God was faithful. God is faithful. And to do that, though, I need the help of the scriptures to know best how to see and appreciate God's faithfulness. Because to be honest, a lot of times I look at things past or look ahead to things forward, and the last thing I see is how God was or how God will be faithful. So I'd like to invite you to come with me this morning and reflect on the reality, the truth of God's faithfulness, His trustworthiness, His loyalty, His dependability. And we're going to look at that from the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is uh, maybe a funny or a strange way, a strange place to, to look at God's faithfulness from. Lamentations is not a fun book to read. It's a collection of poems, five of them, possibly written by the prophet Jeremiah. It seems that they were uh, written about the time that the people of Judah were taken into exile. Uh, that, that is out of the land of Judah and off to Babylon or sold off uh, to, to a, a second round of slavery in Egypt or taken to any of a number of other parts of the world. And Lamentations is a written poetic grieving of all of the sin that had brought the people of Judah to this place and all of God's discipline upon them. And yet in the middle of Lamentations, Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24, we get this one small bright spot of hope and gladness and joy in the Lord. In these short verses, and in some of the verses that follow them as well, the author of Lamentations is pointing us, pointing himself, pointing the people of Israel to this truth that God's great faithfulness is clear. In the middle of all of the, the trouble, the turmoil, the bad stuff that's going on, that God's faithfulness is clear to his people in his never-ending love and his mercy toward us. The main idea of this passage and the main idea of our sermon is this. God's faithfulness is great, or great is God's faithfulness. This morning, I want for us, at the start of this year, to rest in God's faithfulness and rely on God who is both lovingly and mercifully faithful, dependable, loyal to his people. Would you stand with me as we honor God by reading his word? Lamentations 3, 22 to 24. This will be familiar verses to many of you. Our author writes in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit these words. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is God's word. You may be seated. Great is God's faithfulness. This passage may be familiar to you because you you have keyed in uh, perhaps in the past on uh, verses 22 and 23. His mercies are new every morning. 
Uh, there's even a devotion that's written by Paul David Tripp, a daily devotional for the course of a year called New Morning Mercies, kind of brought out of the, the theme of a part of these verses. But the main idea, the crux of, of these three verses, there is that second line of verse 23, great is your faithfulness. So let's look first this morning from verses 22 and 23 at God's faithfulness. Let's look at God's faithfulness. God is faithful, first of all, despite our faithlessness. The entire context and background of Lamentations is the exile of the people of Israel to Babylon and other places of the world. Just looking at the beginning of Lamentations, we read in Lamentations 1.1, the author writing, How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become, she who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. Lamentations 1.8, Jerusalem sinned grievously, therefore she became filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. We read then the voice of the author at the beginning of chapter 3, just the, the Tone of lament, hear this, chapter 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath, God's wrath. He has driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. This is the overall tone, the overall theme of Lamentations is that of lament, of of sorrow and mourning because of sin and because of the discipline of God that is upon his people in response to their sin. Several weeks ago, we looked at the prophet Jeremiah in our Woven series. We looked at the whole book of Jeremiah in one sermon series. Congratulations, you survived. Many people believe that Jeremiah is the the author of Lamentations. And there, when we were looking at Jeremiah, his life and his ministry, the word of the Lord through him, we saw how that prophet called out against God's people in Judah for their wickedness, for their idolatry, and how he consistently warned them that God was going to punish them because of their gross disobedience and faithlessness to God. It's their defeat at the hands of Babylon, according to God's will, God using Babylon as his servant to discipline his people. That is the background and the overarching tone. It's the color of lamentations. The sin and faithlessness of the people is what has brought them to this place of brokenness, of mourning, of weeping and desperation. Lamentations is sad, Because the people are wallowing in the results of their sin. Here, though, is what we must not miss. That despite the horrid sin of God's own people, He has not forgotten His promises to them. You remember from Jeremiah 31 that God promised His people that though He would take them into a a land that was not their home, take them into exile, that He would one day restore a remnant of them and establish a new covenant with them. Not like the covenant that he made with the Israelites at Sinai, a covenant written on tablets of stone, but a new covenant where God would write his own law on the hearts of the people. And he would make make them his people forever and he would become their beloved God. And so this is what we must see. God's faithfulness is not contingent or conditioned on human faithfulness. God is not faithful to us because we are faithful to him. God is faithful to us Period. To be sure, the people of Israel were horribly unfaithful to God. You don't have to read too much of the Old Testament to see regular and repeated unfaithfulness. They were not loyal to Him. They did not keep their promises to Him. They could not keep or help themselves from worshiping other gods. But the Lord's character does not change 
with our fickle loyalties. He is ever constant. He is faithful despite our faithlessness. Now this truth that God is faithful despite our faithfulness is an attribute of God's existence that theologians have called his immutability. Say that with me, immutability. His impassibility. Say that with me, impassibility. Or his unchangeability. You don't have to say that with me. I know you'll remember it. God's immutability. That means his, 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 the impossibility of his character ever changing. His impassibility, meaning that he, his emotions don't, or his feelings don't rise or fall uh, on the, the basis of his relationship with or, or to other people. In Malachi 3.6, the Lord says, I am the Lord, I do not change. He is unchangeability. He is impassable. He is immutable. Friends, our emotions change with the temperature of the room and with the glance of a stranger, but not so with God. This does not make him boring, though, and it doesn't make him uncaring. The fact that God's emotions don't change with the temperature of the room or with the faithfulness or faithlessness of his people does not make him an apathetic God like he doesn't care, not at all. Rather, because God is eternal, he is, as one theologian, Matthew Barrett says, maximally alive. God is maximally alive. And so God in his eternal and unchanging existence is not just loving, he is love. He's not, just, he's not just faithful, he is faithfulness. Again, Matthew Barrett says, God does not depend on others to activate and fulfill his love. No, he is love in infinite measure, eternally, immutably, and independently from the created order. Friends, this means that when God promises to be loving, when he promises to be kind, when he promises to be merciful, to be faithful, that we can trust that promise because he is not waiting on us and he's not dependent on us to be any of those things to earn it from him. Rather, he is always that way. He is faithful despite our faithlessness because he is eternal. Now, as I look on my life and as you look on yours, We're sure to see the many ways that we are and have been faithless, unreliable, unloyal, unloving. It's not hard for us to count up our sins, however we count them. The times that we have been disappointed, the times that we have disappointed others and the times that we have been disappointed and sinned against already this year, and we're only 10 hours and 38 minutes into it, we could probably all make a decent list of ways that we have been these things. The author of Lamentations lists a few things as well. If you make time to read the rest of the book later today, ways that the people of God had been faithless, disloyal, untrusting, or untrustworthy. But here's the point. God has no list like this. There aren't five things that God has failed to do. There aren't three things that God has failed to do. There's not even one thing that God has failed to do. None of our sin has caused him to be any less God or any less true to himself or true to us. He is a rock. He is the rock, as we read in Deuteronomy 32 to begin our service this morning. Not in the sense of unliving, but he is our rock in the sense that he is unshakable. He is certain. He is sure. He is steady. He is dependable. He is faithful whether or not you and I are. God is faithful despite our faithlessness. And here's how he shows that faithfulness to us. The author of Lamentations gives us a clue in verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. 
God shows his faithfulness in never ceasing covenant love. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Verse 22 tells us that. So here we have again, and we seem to see it everywhere. Anytime we're in the Old Testament, this word comes up, our favorite Hebrew word, chesed. You don't have to say that out loud. You might spit on the back of the person in front of you, and nobody wants that. Hesed is the word that's translated here in the English Standard Version as steadfast love. If you're reading out of the Christian Standard Bible or the New Living Translation, it, it will translate that, that word as faithful love. The New International Version translates it great love. The New American Standard Bible translates it loving kindness. The King James Bible uh, uh, translates it as mercies. Now, these are all helpful translations. Steadfast love, faithful love, great love, mercies. But to get a sense of the fullness of that one word, chesed, we have to have all of those translations, I think, in our mind at once because not, not any one of those words best translates that word into English perfectly for us. I like the term covenant love. That doesn't appear in any of our translations. It's not one that I've made up. Other theologians and, and scholars have used something like that too. But I like the term covenant love, promise-based love. Hesed, like the Greek agape, another word for love, is a kind and a quality of love that's described in the Bible that God is perfectly and which humans, with God's help, may get close to uh, approximating and may be able to practice from time to time. It's a love that springs from the eternal nature of God and it's expressed in His promises to His people. His steadfast love is not changing like ours. You love Sour Patch Kids candy today and you hate it after you've eaten too much and your tongue is all bumpy and your teeth hurt from all the sugar. You love your husband's silly sense of humor until he wears shorts to a funeral and then you hate it. This is not how God loves. And aren't you glad? The author of Lamentation says the steadfast love, the promise-based love, the covenant love of God to his people never ends. It never changes. It never goes away. It never falters or fails or comes short of doing all that he intends for it to do. He is the definition of love itself, and he never stops being precisely and perfectly who he is. That's how he shows you his faithfulness in his never ceasing covenant love. Imagine for a moment being one of those Israelites that had been taken away into captivity by Babylon or sold back to Egypt as a slave all over again and reading this line of this poem. Knowing all that you and your people were guilty of in the sight of God, how would this line strike you? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. I hope that this line would brighten your eyes and lift your heart to know that God's intentions are not foiled by your sin. That His promise to make you part of His people forever has not been unraveled by your unfaithfulness. That His self-giving affection has not been turned aside by your selfishness. My friends, I have good news. This never-changing God still has not changed. His never-ceasing covenant love still abounds to His creatures. It still overflows to those who love Him and worship Him. But it gets even better. His faithfulness, His great faithfulness is to us in His never-ceasing love, despite all of our unfaithfulness. And His faithfulness is shown to us in His never-ceasing, ever-new mercy. His mercies never come to an end. 
They are new every morning. God is not just loving. We find in these verses, he's also merciful. Mercy or compassion, if you like that word better, is to look on someone with kindness, someone in great need, to look on them with kindness. In mercy, you may go out of your way to bring a hot meal to a homeless person. In mercy, you may stop uh, traffic to help an elderly person cross the street. In mercy, you may give a young, single, expectant mother who has no other place to go a room in your home for her and her child. Mercy, compassion, care for those in desperate need is precisely what God gives in unending measure to those who need it. Now, here's the catch, though. In the context of lamentations, the people are not in need of God's mercy because of the cruelty of others. They're in need of God's mercy because of the consequences of their sin against God. They need God's kindness because of their unfaithfulness to Him. The state of the Hebrews in exile, having been disciplined by God because of their disobedience, it's not altogether different, friends, from a few centuries prior when the people were disciplined by God for worshiping a golden calf, as, as the Lord, uh, worshiping a calf as the Lord after being brought out of slavery in Egypt and told not to make images of God or any other supposed God. It was in the wake of that horrible transgression that we read about in Exodus chapter 32, uh, that transgression against God, that God revealed to Moses, his servant, the leader of the people, that he is, this is what God said in response to, and right after this golden calf episode, the, the maybe worst instance of unfaithfulness that has ever been displayed in the Old Testament, this is what God says about himself. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God was merciful in Exodus, not to destroy the Hebrews for their sin of making an idol for God. And he is going to be merciful to them even in the time of exile too. Merciful to keep them as his people, merciful to preserve a remnant, and then ultimately merciful in bringing them back to the land that he promised to bring them to. What's more than that though is that the Lord's mercies don't just come around every few centuries or so. The Lord's mercies are new, the writer of Lamentation says, every morning. His compassion towards sinners in need is new every morning. Earlier in Lamentations 3, verse 6, the author laments that God has made me dwell in darkness because of the sin of his heart and of his people. Now this is such a powerful image, darkness especially the darkness of night, I think, seems to make every bad thing seem worse. When you wake up in the dark of 2.30 a.m. in unexplained anxiety, the absence of light makes it feel all the more oppressive. The weight of your sin and pa- the, the, the weight of your pain all the more heavy. The guilt of your sin at 2.30 a.m. when you wake up in a cold sweat seems all the more inescapable. And all you want at 2.30 in the morning is for the sun to come up. For the light to shine. Because somehow, some way, you know that when it does, the night will not have won. Understand, brothers and sisters, God's mercy, like the sun, keeps coming up. It keeps coming around. It keeps falling fresh on weary souls, burdened by the weight of sin and pain and being sinned against and hurting others. His mercy is new every morning. So maybe you find yourself in a a period, a chapter, a season of your life where most of the days feel like darkness, where you're waking up a lot, maybe literally at 2.30 in the morning, 
wondering, am I going to make it till the sun comes up? Assure your soul with this promise. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. So don't give up until the sun comes up. Wait on the Lord. He is faithful. He's faithful despite our faithlessness. He is faithful to us in never-ceasing, ever-flowing love, covenant love. He is faithful to us in never-ending and and ever-new mercy. Writer of Lamentations assures us and himself of this wonderful truth. So what's our response to that? To this fact, to this reality that our unchanging God is this way all the time. He helps us in verse 24 to know what our response ought to be. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. In light of the reality of God's faithfulness, how will you respond to him and to it this morning? I have two encouragements. First, receive the Lord as your portion. Receive the Lord as your portion. That's the first step to responding to his faithfulness, to knowing his faithfulness. That portion, it's kind of a weird word. We don't necessarily use it unless we're talking about how much food is on our plate when we go out to lunch at Hot Tamales. But the portion that, amen, the portion that the author is referring to here is is not a portion of food. The portion is an inheritance. It's what he's looking forward to as his own. It's what he's looking forward to. And what what he's looking forward to is, is not possessing stuff, not land, not money, not fame, not comfort, His portion, his inheritance is a person. It's the Lord himself. And this is what the Lord promises to all people. If they want it, he promises himself. Of course, we don't mean that we own God as our inheritance. Oh, he's mine now. I can do whatever I want with him. Certainly doesn't mean that we can command him to produce for us the things that we desire. No, the Bible means that God is an inheritance in the sense that when that, that what you get is all of life with him. That's what it is to have God as your portion, to have all of life with him. Perfect relationship with God, perfect fellowship with God, fulfillment and joy in God. To have the Lord as your portion means that his love is to you and his mercy is on you. His faithfulness is alive before your very eyes. And this great and faithful God, full of love, full of mercy... This is the very wonderful news of the Bible. This God invites you. He beckons you. He calls you to have Him as your portion. To have Him as your inheritance. Despite all your rejection of Him, despite all your longings for the stuff of the world, in the face of your deepest felt anxieties and fears, He says, you can still have all of me. So great is this God that He gives all of Himself to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. You want to know, how do I have the Lord as my portion? Here's how. You recognize that Jesus Christ, the son of God, is the very faithful and true God in flesh before us. Revelation 19, 11 says, his name is faithful and true. Jesus is the faithfulness of God, the faithful God in flesh before us. We read in 1 John 4, 9, that Jesus is the very love of God incarnate. He is the covenant love of God in skin. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the faithful and true God. Jesus is the love of God with skin on. Jesus is the gift and embodiment of God's mercy. 
That's what this whole text is about. It's about the steadfast love of the Lord, the ever new mercies of the Lord, the great faithfulness of the Lord, and Jesus is all of these. Paul writes to young pastor Titus in Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, these words, listen. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God's faithfulness is on display in perfect clarity in the person of His Son, Jesus. If you, friend, if you long to have this faithful God, this never-changing, ever-faithful God, to know His love, to know His mercy, the way to have Him as your portion is through believing and trusting His Son, Jesus Christ, the faithful, loving, merciful God made flesh. That's the way to it. You have the Lord as your portion through faith in Christ, His Son. And Christian, you who know Jesus this way, remember that having the Lord as your portion is not limited to that first time you cried out to Him in faith to save you, but that having Him is to have Him every day, trusting Him every day, looking for and counting on His mercy to you new every morning. Following Jesus, dear friend, it should not be a New Year's resolution, but a daily resolution. And daily resolved, we are meant to see over and again with each new dawn, the newness of His grace, the freshness of His presence, the liveliness of His mercy, and the wonder of His love every day in the presence of God with Him as our portion. How do you respond to God's great faithfulness? You make Him your portion. You receive Him as your inheritance by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the embodiment of all that God is. And then you hope in Him. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. This idea of hope that that it comes through regularly in the Scriptures is not wishful thinking in the face of unlikely circumstances. Like, I hope I don't get sick even though everybody's got the flu right now. That's not the kind of hope that the Bible's talking about. Far from that, the the biblical idea of hope is is an idea, it's a, a, a concept of confident expectation. Everywhere you see hope in the Bible, that's what's on the other end of it. Not hoping against hope that something good will happen in, 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 uh, despite negative circumstances or a negative situation. Hope is always a confident expectation that something will happen. And usually that hope is that the, the hope is in something that the Lord will do. So to hope in God is to have the confident expectation of His mercy. New every morning. To be certain that he will be faithful and true in every circumstance. To have hope in God is to be positively assured that the tru- of the truth that Jesus, the Son of God, the love and mercy of God made manifest is your Savior. That's what hope is. It is to be assured of your salvation from sin and your justification to God through faith in Jesus. And if you trust him already, if you trust him already, my question is, will you find your hope renewed in him this year? Morning by morning, counting God himself as your portion. If you've not trusted him yet, here's now an invitation to. An invitation to trust him. An invitation to make him yours. Understand that God in his greatness is not faltering and he's not waffling in his love and faithfulness to you, but that he is perfectly loving and merciful every day and that he has extended his love and mercy in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ.
who humbly gave himself to overcome the weight and the stain of sin and death that belong to each of us because of our faithlessness. The call to know God's love, uh, faithful love and mercy today and every day is before you this morning. I invite you, believe on Jesus. Find your hope in him. Start the year well. Reflect on the last year and, and think about the year ahead, all in terms of how God has been faithful despite your faithlessness in never ceasing mercy and love and how he will be faithful in the year ahead despite your, un, your unfaithfulness with never ceasing mercy and love and make him your portion. Dear Christian, because of God's great faithfulness, you can rest today. You can rest today in the knowledge that he never fails to be perfectly who he is, love and mercy itself. My friends, let us in the year ahead resolve ourselves to daily seek his mercy, daily rely on his grace, daily worship him for his faithfulness that we might sing song of our own souls, a song we already sang this morning, great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let's pray together.